welcome, 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 welcome to a very special episode of Best Film Ever. My name is Ian. And I'm Liam. And what we're doing here today, Liam, <laughs> is we're doing a special, like, virtual podcast convention thing. Yeah. I think it's Pod VCon or something like that. VCon. The V could stand for many uh, <laughs> um, naughty sounding things, I suppose. <laughs> But uh, I think it means virtual. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with that. <laughs> and we are joined today by uh, some very special guests. Uh, let's go ahead and let them introduce themselves. Hi, my name's Ellie. Hi, I'm Ethan. And Ellie is part of Best Film Ever. Uh, she's one of our perma guests who shows up and uh, helps us debate about the films of a day. And Ethan actually is a member of our sister podcast, Talking the Mickey, where we kind of just tackle all sorts of, uh, well, Disney-related properties. And actually, our two podcasts are coming together on a very special episode of Toy Story, which by the time you hear this, it will be up available on both streams. That is both Best Film Ever and Talking the Mickey. And Liam, sort of the premise, let's just talk about the premise of what we do before we kind of do our little mini thing here today. Yeah, let's do that. So basically the premise and the gimmick here is that i teach film studies you do uh, so i thank you so, <laughs> that's the verification that i'm not we're not just making up this gimmick <laughs> and so as part of that you know i've been, i've sort of got a lot of that specialist kind of language and i see maybe things in, in cinematography that's i kind of know what the director is specifically supposed to be going for and that side of element of films whereas you mm. I'm more about the feel and the heart of the film rather than the cinema, cinema photography. Yeah, sometimes it's about how, how is the film speaking, I think, yeah. to you. You kind of yeah, seem yeah. to feel the films maybe yeah, more. Yeah. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm you know, it's about that one of those cartoons with the brains talking to the heart and they're trying to figure out if they're I on guess, the same page. I guess I kind of look at it from an audience point of view rather than a director's point of view. Yeah. So if, you, if you're used to directing a film or used to directing plays or things, mm-hmm. you see different aspects. Yeah. Where... When you're just a performer or someone who's just an audience member, you see things differently. Yeah, and that's basically the basis uh, for what we do. We're trying yeah. to find the best film ever. I got you a poster last Christmas, Christmas 2018. Christmas 2018. And it's about the 100 greatest films of all time. We thought we were going to go through these. And so we're trying to do that. And we've sort of also finding other films as well to jump into that search. But the yeah. idea, can we come to an accord on what we think the best film ever is? And from that, we've grown on and we've taken on some, some, some guests and some friendly voices. And we've got uh, Ellie in Georgia, who's not here today. Yeah. But they tend to be with us more often than not. But we do have a cavalcade of people who sort of stop by, some of whom we know in real life and some of whom are um, from out there in the Potter and family, <laughs> if you will. Out there. Maybe other voices you will hear this weekend at Pod VCon. Remember, the V stands for virtual. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Ethan, you will, of course, have been there. Uh, you were there of our Star Wars episode. And yeah. you'll be there for any time we sort of do a Disney crossover. It just makes sense to bring the whole gang together. And that's what we're doing. But today we're going to sort of shift things a little bit. And we're going, we spend a lot of time talking about what makes a good film. Today I want to focus on what makes a bad film. This is going to be good. I think, well, or bad. Hopefully so bad it's good. And, yeah. and I'm not talking about those films that you enjoy ironically. I'm not talking Star Wars Attack of the Clones, where you can <laughs> meme them up and go, even though that was trash... I can enjoy that on a whole different level. I mean, what makes films bad that you walk out going, what am I just, what, why did I bother with this? I spent money on this. I spent oh, money no. or, or, even, or even time. <laughs> yeah. Thanks yeah. for streaming options available to us or other nefarious ways of, of you know, locating your, your cinematic 
content, still to walk away and go, even though it's cost me nothing in some cases, <laughs> I still feel ripped off. <laughs> Those are two hours of my yes. life I will never get back. Never. So like, what makes something a bad film? Let's talk about that first off. What is that thing? Because for me, based on what I do, I teach film studies, I also teach English. For me, it always comes down to the story. If the story, mm-hmm. if I go like one, what, like the story makes no sense. Well, that, that for me is is the single biggest. I need that to hold on to. Yeah, you need a you need a you need a plot. You need somewhere to go and how to finish it. I feel some films are lessened by the finished product, mm-hmm. and you, you know a, a film can start off really great and then just fizzle, and that's the fizzle you remember more than the actual beginning of it. Yeah, I mean, I think my example for this usually is, uh, Ethan, I don't know if you're familiar, you, you, you're kind of into the Coen brothers and their sort of stuff, right? I, yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'm a big fan. I think I know what film you might be talking have about, you seen I'm Hail, very concerned. Have you seen Hail Caesar? I have a copy of the Blu-ray. Oh, dear, right really? Because I think Hail Caesar is such trash, because what is the story? There is no story. It's just about, a, it's like a love letter to old Hollywood. And so if you take any of these scenes by themselves, they look, they look really nice. But as far as walking out going, what did I just watch? Unless it was like I really appreciated the musical numbers and sort of the, the quality of cinematography. But walking out going, I, 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 go to, I go to a film. Maybe it's just me. I go to a film to see a story. And at the end, to go through a journey with the characters that you've put before me, who I'm supposed to be emotionally invested in their outcomes, whether they achieve their outcome or they don't. At least that should have some impact on me. And I said walked out and went, why? Why did you think this was a story that someone should see? I don't know. Maybe that's me. I've never seen it, so I can't comment. No, okay. Right. So what are those other things, though, that act as maybe triggers, Ellie? Well, I think you, you mentioned about how sometimes you don't know what's happened, what you've just watched, because what on earth just happened in that film. I think there's, there's a difference between a film that has no plot and a film that has a really ridiculously confusing plot or one that just doesn't follow through. We, ha- we had quite a difference of, of opinion on a film um, called Lady Bird that we watched um, a few weeks ago. I really which, liked Lady Bird, which yeah. I didn't. I didn't hate it, and it's definitely not kind of a contender for the worst film ever, but to me, it didn't really have an awful lot of a plot, and it was more of a character study, but the the acting in that film was sensational, and we had um, Saoirse Ronan and um, who's who's the mum's name? Sheldon's mum in Big Bang Theory. Laurie Metcalf. Yeah. Um, So they, they acted so well in that film that it kind of brought the film up to be quite a good film, but in terms of the plot, but it, there wasn't really that much. That can be frustrating me. when you can see the actors are doing an excellent job, but the story's just not there. The script's just not there, and the writing can be somewhat difficult. Lee, what about you? What, what, what makes a film a bad film? The acting. Um, if I feel when you've got a good actor, even bad actors can sometimes be better, but that's not always the case. And you see it more in, well, go back to The Crow and The Girl in The Crow. You know, she, oh, this is the she the young girl. The young girl didn't step up, did she? Where people tend to step up the yeah. game when somebody else is better. Now the question is because um, we, we, for anybody who's out there, we the four of us all do amateur dramatics, uh, amateur theater, kind of together, and so we can sort of speak on that. Um, you know. If someone has a bad performance, part of that has to go on the actor or actress. In, in an individual movie, you have to kind of go, okay, it's kind of on them. But also it's really on the, on the director because their job is to make it better than is to sort of put them in a situation where they can succeed. Yeah. I say this as someone who's actually had to direct all three of them at some point. <laughs> but um, I was listening to a podcast by Cinematic Blindspot. And they were, I, I just wanted to share that because I'm sort of to steal their, their, their little fact here. 
is of a director whose name escapes me, kind of was really difficult to work with on a film called Steel Magnolias. And he was, he was, have you seen Steel Magnolias? Yeah. I don't think Steel Magnolias is a bad film, but, no, it, but, it, get, it. but it gets, but it gets my, my point across. The director was really hard to work with to the point Herbert where like Ross. he made, was it Herbert Ross? Yeah. Thank you. Ellie in fact check corner today. Um, and so he was, like, he made Julia Roberts cry and he was really going to town on Dolly Parton. Oh, and he really? said to her, he said, do you not know how to act? And her response was, no, but it's your job to make me sound like I can. <laughs> and get on within the thing like, like when, when we talked about the crow I, one of my issues i had was i said i think it's the, i think it's the director i think we got lots of cool visuals and things like that but there was some really bad line delivery i felt from a number of characters on that but on that note who are those actors who show up time and time again and you're going this is gonna be a rough film adam sandler adam sandler okay oh, <laughs> the adam sandler Smith. Will Smith. Okay, let's talk. Let's talk. Uh, mid, mid, like current millennia, Will Smith. Whenever I see there's a Will Smith film, I go, "Oh, this might not be great." Because the last couple films you've had has been just, you know, very bad. I've been avoiding Will Smith. I think uh, <laughs> is that because he's such no, a bad. I don't actor? know. No, because I, I, I always wanted to see Ali because I heard he was very good in that. He was good. In that. Never saw that. I heard he was good in. Is it? Is it called Concussion? It's okay. Is it okay? He does a good performance, but it's, it is very much like but, I mean, Oscar Beatty. Will but Smith's film, got fine. just as many bad choices as good choices. Wild Wild West. Yeah. Um, what was the one he did with his kid? Oh, oh. happiness. Oh, that one. So, and the other one he did with his kid. Yeah. Like, what was oh, the science Earth. fiction-y one he did? After Earth. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's the, that's the Shyamalan one, isn't it? Yes. I mean, there are yeah. some bad choices. And w- Will Smith on the front of a poster no longer means what it once meant. No. It's no longer Independence Day, Men in Black... Um, iRobot. It's no longer that Will Smith anymore. Or I mean, <laughs> yeah. Now we get Hitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, is Hitch the tipping point? It might be the tipping point. That is a bad film. Uh, Ellie, you said Adam Sandler. Yeah. So I really like Fifty First Dates. It's it's trash. Um, I but I have I have a special place for that in my heart. Um, but I mean. I haven't seen any other Adam Sandler films that I like at all. Um, just go with it. It's awful. Just oh. go with it is one of those ones. Did you like it? No. Because I mean, on Star Power alone. Like. Yeah, well, just go with it. Just go with it is Adam Sandler, Jennifer Aniston, and Dave Matthews, the musician, plays the villain. Oh, oh okay. And he, oh. and he plays it like really um, homophobic. And don't get me wrong. A villain can be homophobic. But it was like, what is my one character definition? You're homophobic. Okay, I got it. <laughs> And at the end, of course, I think if I remember it correctly, he's so homophobic because he has homosexual feelings in and of uh, themselves. Uh, but okay. that becomes a joke. And it's just so uh, one. Everything in this in that <laughs> film was so one dimensional. Like all the things we're talking about, like bad direction, bad story, bad line delivery. It's like just go with it. It's like you took them all and you just like put them into like a, like, um, a goulash and just stirred them all up. And went, <laughs> here's your bowl of crap movie for the week. See, I think Adam Sandler fell into a trap that a lot of uh, actors do now, yeah. which is he starts off really, really well. I think as much as Click is a bad film, he acts really well in it and a couple of his other oh, films Click as isn't well. Even, I mean, Click is a bad retelling of It's a Wonderful Life, though, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, but his, his performance in it is good. But there comes a point where he just goes, yes. eh, I want a new holiday. And then he did the whole, like, everything with the ha- Happy Madison Company is just, hey, do you want to go on a holiday? Kevin James and Owen Wilson? Sure, yeah. let's like go on holiday for two don't months. Don't be smirch the good name of Owen yeah. Wilson. He's, he's doing... <laughs> wow. he's doing Kevin James, good now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say, I'll give Adam Sandler his, the benefit of, of doubt now. He's doing really good in films currently. Um, 
Uncut Gems is fantastic. Is and uh, I think it's the Merowit story, which came out a few years I mean, ago on Netflix. There are some, he does have so. these hidden gems in there, like not to, mm. not to make a pun off of Uncut Gems, but yeah. uh, like Punch Drunk Love was really, really highly regarded. Uh, he can turn it on when he wants, but the problem with Adam Sandler is he was so bankable so early in his career. Mm. And what happened was films like Happy Gilmore, The Water Boy, um, Big Daddy, you found Adam Sandler. I mean, basically, it's a formula. Adam Sandler discovers that he has a talent for golfing, football, parenting. Until at some point, he discovers someone else who is slightly better at golfing, football, or parenting, who then beat him and make fun of him and somehow threaten to like sleep with his grandmother or kick her out of her house. Or there's always this thing until some mentor, you know, who coaches him and how to get better coaches him and then dies to give him extra motivation he adam Sandler loses his girlfriend rob schneider shows up around an hour and 20 minutes up and goes <laughs> you can do it <laughs> at which point adam sandler will become a better football player golfer or parent than the bad guy and based off this one setback the bad guy will like disintegrate out of their career into nothingness and he gets to succeed and go oh, i did it and that's the adam sandler effect now the problem was he would keep doing this, and it would make like $200 million every time he did it. So why would you change? So Adam Sandler became this thing, and then he wanted to break free of that, and we got a mi- like a m- middle amount of, of, of results. We saw things like Spanglish, which you can really kind of go here nor there on how good a film that was, but at least he was trying. Um, and then you think Punch Drunk Love, but then you got into the later bits where everyone's like, I miss old Adam Sandler. But like, what's funny when Adam Sandler's 25 yeah. isn't funny mm-hmm. when he's 55. No. no one wanted to see Jack and Jill. I was just going to say about or, that. You just have to look at the poster, or, or, don't you? Or was, it go, like, what was it called Daddy's Home or something like that? The one where he plays with the guy from the Lonely Island? Oh, okay. oh yeah. I think yeah, it's like Daddy's maybe. Home or something like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that that's where my, my problem with what I think makes a bad film comes in, which is his films are product placements. It's there's no heart, no story. It's okay. We'll make a film that we know the majority of people will enjoy or will go and see, even if they don't enjoy it, they'll pay the money. And then let's say Netflix, Pizza Hut, I, uh, I don't know, Apple will give us like tens of millions of dollars to just show all their products, and then they'll go see it, and it'll be fine or really bad, and they go, hey. Remember that scene where they talked about Pizza Hut for five minutes? And that's all it is. That's a lot of films currently. Comedies are just, hey, look at my Gucci. Look at my Nikes. Blah, 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 blah. I remember uh, the Emoji movie was just Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Hey, look at all these other things. And I think that's what's turning into current films to a majority is product placement being just two-hour advertisements. I know we're supposed to talk about the, about the, the worst examples of this. And I, here, I'm going to get back to it. But there's a great example of this ironically done in Wayne's World. Yeah. You ever yeah. see Winsworth? Yeah, yeah. Where like they start talking about product placement and they're like, no, we won't have that. And you cut to a shot of like Garth, who's like <laughs> head to foot in like Reebok gear. Yeah. And like Wayne's got like, a piece of pizza and he opens the box and goes on the commercial and like holds the slice <laughs> and smiles. Yeah. And while it makes fun of product placement, it is also achieving product placement. Course, and I'm yeah. like, I so res- they get money off so from I, it. Whilst- so you have to go, look at how clever they're being, but they're also still doing exactly what they're making fun of, of at course. the same time, which is really, really good. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and throw my actor or actress who I find always shows up in terrible movies. Go on. Cameron Diaz. 
Oh, I love something about Diaz. Mary. That's the problem. Cameron Diaz became the it girl because she came out of nowhere. No one really had seen her anything. And she became Mary. And there's something about Mary. And all of a sudden, she was bankable. People went, put her in everything. Things she can do, things she can't do. And the problem was Cameron Diaz kind of was stuck between she wanted to do some serious stuff for a moment. And she did things like Gangs of New York. Which, wow. if you've seen Gangs of New York, I love Gangs of New York. I've seen it. And she is bloody terrible oh, all really? the way through it. She oh, no. is a blight on that movie. It's like, here are the heavyweights of acting. You have Daniel Day-Lewis. Oh, yeah. You have Leo DiCaprio. And they are throwing, like, legit barbs acting-wise. Like, it is a master class going on. So why isn't she stepping up? It's because... such a period piece. I think they brought her in because she would be bankable. Oh, okay. She is the love story. Have her opposite Leo. And the problem is sometimes you need to be more than that. Now, I mean, taking the it girl and putting her somewhere and hoping she can act. I mean, look at uh, Anne Hathaway and Les Mis. It can work. Mm. It can absolutely work. But Anne Hathaway is an actress. She's phenomenal. And something about Mary, Cameron Diaz is an idea. She's an enigma. Everybody else chases. She doesn't have to be anything except for a pursuit and an idealized something. I think she's very good in a certain kind of film. Um, I think I think she's good in The Holiday as well. Yeah, um, and Shrek. I'd, I'd agree with that. But in, okay, what's her character in in? Okay, Shrek. Can we? It's 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 animated. I mean, there's something. Okay. I mean, Eddie Murphy had like a rough run for like twenty years, but was still killing it in mm. in Shrek. Yeah, right. Um, but Cameron Diaz in The Holiday. What was her character? You're cold and devoid of emotion. <laughs> okay, that's gonna be really hard to play, isn't it? Like you know, it's, it's not. She doesn't carry, you know who carries that is uh, Jude Law, has to do the heavy lifting in, in, in the stuff with her to try and warm her heart. He, I mean, he's doing yeoman's work there. <laughs> I didn't like Jack Black in that. That was Jack Black. Jack Black's yeah. another one who's, yeah. he got big in School of Rock, and then they went, be that guy all the time. And he's put out a lot of crap since then. He has. Yeah, you've had Gulliver's Travels, but sometimes, sometimes he does good stuff, but I haven't. I was going to say, I haven't seen him in in anything recently that I like. He's good in the Jumanji movies, but that. (laughs) Chap like is, but that's the, see, that's. Oh, Kung Fu Panda. That's fantastic. And again, it's animation though. I think it's a different kettle of fish to degree, isn't it? I think it is. Yeah, yeah. I think, I, I feel, I feel voice acting is one of those things that also has the same kind of, like, respect that it should be given because you're just using your voice, which is. Or like the other half of the battle for acting. I hear you, but no one's ever going to win best picture based. Sorry, no one's ever going to win best actor based on a voice acting performance. No, sure. it's just not going to happen. You ignore if ninety percent of communication is nonverbal, then ninety percent of a job of, of a character's representation on screen in an animated movie is done by a- artists and not by the voice actor. But yeah. do, you, do you also think that comedy actors though have their niche market for so long? I mean, comedy changes and evolves so many times mm. over the years Very much so. you can't keep knocking out the same thing eventually the bubble's got burst and they keep knocking it out and knocking it out and knocking it out until that's just and i think done. by nature so many actors play extensions of themselves yeah and there's nothing wrong with that but you look at eddie murphy eddie murphy had about five years he was the biggest guy in hollywood playing kind of versions of himself amplified in different directions right yeah of course and then it was the saturday night live crew of the early 90s had their heyday including adam sandler with the best example of that yeah. and then tim allen of course did his thing for about five years where you know i wasn't a big fan of tim, of tim allen but he was bankable for about five years but the problem is you always want someone then new give me your version of a, a different idea a different seth rogan give and th- th- they, they all have about a, sh- a shelf life they do hmm. but I, I don't like will ferrell 
I don't, yeah, I don't I get sh- that kind of humor. That doesn't do it for me. It doesn't, I, don't find I it hate funny. him as well. There are good films out there. Like, have you seen Will Ferrell in Stranger Than Fiction? No. Oh, he's fantastic. He's fantastic in that. Mm. And there are elements when they kind of stretch out their legs and try something new. Jim Carrey, mm. when he did, when he does sort of, like, I love Truman Show. Mm. Yeah. I love, Show I love Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Mm. And the theory there being that the two of them, Winslet and Jim Carrey, swap, like, roles in a sense like yeah. on the day they started shooting because everyone's like if you think about winslet's role she's kind of out there and wacky and he's really like reserved and almost like um this paranoid introvert and it's what you'd expect the other way around and that's kind of what makes it interesting but so many of these great comedic actors who then become cartoons i mean think about how good they are when you put them in an ensemble i mean you look at adam sandler have you ever seen airheads yeah, Airheads is great yeah. because I want that Adam Sandler where he's actually acting mental like he does in Happy Gilmore, but I want him as like one third of the story yeah. or, you know, a supporting bit because you can do that. Jack Black, I want you in that supporting bit because Jack Black's maybe at his strongest when every now and then give him a, feature, a film to himself, but let him be that zany guy. And the problem is, what do you do when the zany guy is all you get? Yeah. And Will Ferrell's another example of that. Oh, I can't stand Will Ferrell. I, I absolutely hate him. I I won't watch films because he's in them. I just I, I just really dislike that kind of humor. I'm a huge Sherlock Holmes fan. Any adaptation, anything, but the film that he was in. Oh, it's so bad. Dreadful. Okay, let's talk about that to a degree because uh, something else about my notes here about what makes films bad. And one of the things I was thinking about when I was brainstorming about this remakes that just aren't necessary because what happens when you put that brand name on it sherlock holmes whatever it might be is you think about the last time that was done or times it was done better and we could name point break we could name the karate kid we could name all manner of films and even we just did a film actually our one of our most recent episodes was on clueless and we were just talking about how they're planning on doing a remake of clueless and we're going why would you do that because no one's going to walk out going Better than the original. I'm calling no, it now. No absolutely. one's walking out saying better than the original. Close to the original. Give it another twenty years. Yeah, yeah I don't you know. know. Yeah. Stop, stop going after stuff that's too. I don't know what. It, I guess with comic books, because of the costumes and this, you, you can get away with that. I guess because yeah. really, if you're a fan of those movies, you're a fan of the the laundry. Yeah. As Jerry Seinfeld would say, it's it's that suit that you're a fan of. Um, but things like, I mean, my example here is going to be also starring one of my least favorite actors or actresses, Ghostbusters. And it's Melissa McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy. (laughs) My issue with Ghostbusters is not the fact that it was an all female cast. I had no opinion on that. I walked into it and wanted to see it. Yeah. I was really, really interested in seeing it. And I thought that was abysmal. And I thought it was abysmal because the script was bad. I thought it was abysmal because I didn't find any of the characters likable. Not because they were women, but because they're bad characters. Yeah. And there's something about equality where you can go, it kind of goes both ways. And I can go, you know, an all-female cast is just capable of making a bad movie as an all-male cast. Yeah. You know, I, I haven't seen it yet, but my plan is still, I want to go see Ocean's 8. Not because I'm, I, I I'm waiting to knock <laughs> it down. I'm a big fan of the Ocean's sort of formula franchise yeah. thing. I quite And I think, again, we're talking about remakes, but I think that one looked like it was a bit more fresh. Yeah. Than this, where it was just awful, awful. It really I, was. I say that from a perspective of someone who hasn't actually seen the original Ghostbusters film. I okay. know. I'm not a big well, fan of the original, but I, and I love Kristen Wiig. I love Kristen Wiig, who kind of wrote it and is the other lead along with she's Melissa McCarthy, the one from um, Bridesmaids. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I hate it when I see it in a remaking a film that I loved because I'm going. 
The worst part is the, it's going to draw a billion dollars when they make one of these yeah. things because people are now so inclined to just go, I know that. I'm going to watch it again because I think we enjoy coming out and going, I hated that. But it's like we pay our money to then complain afterwards. I remember there was someone I was talking to ages ago who was like, oh, I want to see that new Poltergeist film. That looks really cool. I was like, wait, there was a new one. And they went, <laughs> yeah. what do you mean a new one? I was like, well, there was one that came out like in the 80s because everyone goes, oh, I want to see the new version of that. And then they go and see it and go, I wish I didn't see the new version of that. And well, it's because I mean, we're already audiences don't realize. I mean, Robert Pattinson's going to be Batman. And I'm OK with it. I'm OK with the casting, but it's just that quite good to me. But it's just going to get OK. We're going to do this. It's been 10 years. We're going to re- not even we're going to recycle it. Mm-hmm. People are already talking about what do you do with, with with the next Iron Man? What do you do with it? And I'm just like, I yeah. really because they're going to. Yeah, the, the comic book thing is done. They need to leave it alone for a bit. I hope so. Yeah. But... It ended at Endgame and Far From Home for me. Yeah. And I'm, I'm someone who was... I'm really excited for some other stuff that Marvel are doing down the line, but I don't care enough anymore. Nah, I think when you have people like Chris Evans... The journey's Evans, finished. My, my excitement level is, is, is muted. When you have people like Chris Evans, who's given up the, the mantle of uh, Captain America, and you've got Iron Man with um, Robert Downey Jr. and uh, Wolverine with Hugh Jackman... They're all they're all giving it up because they're realizing they've had their time and it's time to mm. move on. You can't just keep milking the same cow. It has to bu- the bubble has to burst. So they're giving it up now and they're all doing the same thing. And I think as a genre, the m- movie execs should have the same thought and go right. Enough's <laughs> enough. Let's leave this for a bit. Let the technology evolve even more and then come back to They can't hear you. They're busy doing their Scrooge McDuck thing through their pool of money right now. No, I know, but I mean... If it was about art, then you're right. But the fact that they made... and Don't get me wrong. I think... I have not watched it yet, but I've heard from all accounts it was was really good. But the fact that they made a Toy Story 4 kind of proves that point. I mean, there was a film in Mm. Toy Story 3 that was ended perfectly. Perfect, yeah. And the fact you had to go... Let's go back to it. The fact that we had an Indiana Jones 4 and now we're going to have an Indiana Jones 5. Like, how damages Indiana Jones 4 to the legacy of that franchise? Absolutely. Maybe this is a good place to talk about this. So what are those genres that seem to pump out bad movies more than, uh, more than the others? I'm going to start off with going, I think, horror by its very nature. Of course. Oh, yeah. Because horror, I mean, the basic between horror is, Liam, you and I are not the demographic for a horror movie no. audience. I don't even think, Ellie, I don't think you are anymore. I, I Ethan, hate horror films. But as far as the demographic, they're not, they're not meant for my age, not meant for Ethan. I think, I think they're meant for yours. Because studies yeah, have shown you can, really make, you can make a horror movie for like $20 million, put it out there, promise some kids a few jump scares so they can go ahead and brag to their mates about how they weren't scared by it. Yeah. And it'll bring in 50 million. It'll bring in 60 million. Like, you'll do okay. But it's like the same typical recycled trash sort of tropes. Over and over oh, yeah. Again. I watched a horror movie the other day, which came out two years ago and should have come out like five years earlier. Um, I watched the Slenderman horror film the Sorry, other day. You, you kind of cut out a little bit there. Was, was that the Slenderman? Yeah, the Slenderman. Okay. Um, the like fifth Slenderman film I've seen, and they're all terrible. The problem is, they're just the same thing of jump scares, and we'll do this, we'll do that. There are some films that I see that some horror films that I've seen that are fantastic. Um, Hereditary is brilliant, and it's about atmosphere. Horror films are atmosphere, which is the it's just the fear of something. Um, I watched Midsommar um, okay months ago, and it genuinely affected me to a point. That like it kind of changed my viewpoint for a while, and that's great because it made me genuinely terrified. Not because of jump scares, because of atmosphere and how they 
how they crafted the film, which I don't think many films now do. And the thing is, no genre is is you know innately or or, or absolutely poor. I mean, there are good ones. That's why that's, that's why they exist. The problem is, and you're mentioning ones that do something new. And the problem is, even when they get successful, when they, even when they are fresh. The fact that it becomes a cash cow, they keep pumping it out there. And I think part of the reason why they seem to still succeed is because I think because of the basis of a teenage demographic, I don't think they've seen as they haven't seen as many films. So as a result, they don't know that this has gone to trash yet. That They just want to see those characters they've heard about because horror, more than maybe even comic books, is, 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 is so guilty of let's just pump out pointless sequel after pointless sequel. Let's retcon our storylines and change the rules because we don't like how things went. And Jamie Lee Curtis says she'll come back again if she does this. And I like Jamie Lee Curtis, but can we just end it with the Halloween films? Can we end it with Predator? Can, not Predator, sorry. Can we end it with, with Freddy? Can we end it with Jason? Can we end it with... Um, oh, what was the Final Destination? For a movie that's called Final Destination, there shouldn't be sequels. It's right here in the title. <laughs> Even take something really innovative, and I mean really innovative, like Saw. When Saw first yeah. came out, that's, I mean, Liam, you and I are probably the, the right age to talk about this. Like, it was, I never saw it. I never saw Saw. <laughs> but people were talking, it was innovative, it was this, it was that, and you heard the buzz, and it was something new. And so what do they do? They milked it into the ground. Yeah, but again, I think horror is one of these genres that, for me, it has to have a real element to it. When you think, like, the first Halloween, he was a normal boy, grown up, who goes back to to kill his sister. And then it goes really stupid when they're setting him on fire, you know, and hitting him with cars and chopping his head off and all these other different things. And he's still coming back. It's not scary. It's just becoming a parody. It's, it's, a, it's, it's funny. It's not the same. Take something like Scream. Scream on the other the hand. The first Scream was so good. It was so clever. Because it was mocking the genre. It was part- It was kind of like what we're talking about Wayne's World, where it was making fun of it while also being that, but yeah. doing a good job with it. Yeah. Yeah, but by the time they got to the end of it, they had actually kind of, tur- they'd kind of like jumped the shark and they'd yeah. become the thing they previously made fun of. And I'm going to link this in something that I bet you would never see coming. I'm going to link the Scream franchise to Shrek. Okay. What? Because these are both things that were self-aware and made fun of the genre they were at the same time fulfilling. Shrek 1 and Shrek 2, brilliant films. Shrek 2 is a masterpiece of postmodernism. It made fun of Hollywood tropes while at the same time committing all of those things. And then around Shrek 3, they went, no, forget all that cool stuff where you guys were like mocking things. We need babies and fart jokes. (laughs) And we just lost the plot. And I think kids' movies... Or animated movies can sometimes get a bit of a, of a wide berth. You go, ah, well, they're just for kids. But it's some of the laziest storytelling. And Shrek especially, which was marketed as an animation film for, for, for parents and kids alike. Those first two films are full of jokes for the adults. Very true. Yeah. And then by Shrek 3, it just turned into, let's just fulfill every lazy expectation of an animated film. Trying to eke out millions and millions and millions of dollars. Mm. Most animated sequels are like that, aren't they? They just turn into absolute trash. The Lego Movie 2 is the one that I always use as my argument now. Lego, The first Lego Movie, genuinely really, really good. No, it's really, and really I good. Think the you, art style is and brilliant. You, and you know why it's really good? Because it's got it Will Ferrell in it. He was. I'm joking. I'm joking. But he was. He was really good in that. I've not seen yeah. any of them. But I did watch Batman Lego the other day. 
That's good. Yeah, that was okay. That I was liked, okay. I like the boo boo boo. Make the noise. Yeah, that made me laugh. Uh, but yeah. but I didn't see number two because I think I saw what I sort of smelt kind of what was on on the wall here. What what do we what are we, what are we seeing here? It was fine in like the worst way when you compare it to that because I wasn't that excited. But it's just nothing. It's nothing like the first one, which is also a problem with hype. But it's just going through the motions for me. Okay. Anything else on that note? Any genres that jump out to you as being... Uh, I mean, we could talk about the rom-com. I was going to say superhero films. I do love a good rom-com. Love a good, love a good rom-com? I yeah. love a good rom-com you as well. But there are so many bad rom-coms as well. For all of the good ones, like for every good one, there's probably three awful ones. And they probably but... all star Matthew McConaughey in some perspective. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there are these actors who have kind of McConaughey's escaped that. But there are these actors and actresses who have kind of become they got comfortable. Yeah. And just like it does in in a comedy, you can have it in a rom com as well. And I'm thinking of your Matthew McConaughey's previously, your Meg Ryan's, your Hugh Grant's. God bless him. Love me yeah. some Hugh Grant, but he can be your Drew Barrymore's to a degree. And they just kind of just lazily they pop up and you go, oh, it's a rom com. Sure, one. It's usually the ones that will go right to Netflix now. Oh, it's a rom com starring mm-hmm. Jennifer Aniston and you can almost call the beat for beat what's going to happen in these things. Yeah. You know, George. George Clooney and Michelle Pfeiffer in one of the worst films for both of them, One, one Fine day. day. Terrible film. And that was supposed to be his launching point into Hollywood as a megastar. Really? And you look at this, you're like, this is such a trash <laughs> rom-com. Where it's just, what are those beats you're supposed to have? Well, 21 minutes in, they have to have a meet-cute. There it is. And that really I mean, shows that it is... I still have a weakness for Michelle Pfeiffer. Though. Yeah, I know. That <laughs> really shows that it is the genre, though, doesn't it? And not, not the actors, because they've done done so many good films i think clooney realized he wanted to be a good actor and not just a bankable actor yeah i mean it took, Bat- it, took, it, it took batman yeah <laughs> <laughs> it took batman for that to happen though he had to kill that franchise yeah. but there are some really really strong actors that pr- appear predominantly in the rom-com genre as well and mm. like rachel mcadams for example well yeah. rachel mcadams also amazing. like the notebook Tom Hanks. i class the notebook it's a romance rom-com. it's not a com it's okay. no it's not a rom-com okay. there's no way no. There's no there's, there's there's a lot of crying by both audiences and characters. In that I think I just I just kind of see yeah. see anything within the no, kind of romance I, no, I mean category. That, I mean that, no, I mean that rom com yeah. okay. where it's those yeah. beats and there's going to be a montage around one hour and thirty five minutes in where they'll be looking at rain out a window and they'll finish by having like the guy escape his car, taxi cab, motorcycle and run through traffic to get to yeah, the girl okay. by the end. Yeah, I think I think thinking on what you've said Rachel McAdams probably does more of just the straight romance I think with she more does. of like a drama feel doesn't it and yeah. that's probably why I rate her so highly as yeah. an actress probably is so that I mean Ethan you talked about superhero we kind of sort of talked around superheroes to a degree I think just because it's so mm. lazy and they can just assume that for the yeah. most part I mean think about like when Robert Downey mm. Jr. signs up for Iron Man superhero movies were not applauded as something that real actors did and he kind of changed he, the face of that and he wasn't a bankable star then he, he wasn't bankable because he wasn't trustable. No, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we, we all want he's a great actor. Yeah. But everyone's going, how long till he goes back to, yeah. to, the, to, the, to the country to the club, as he once put it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think franchises too. Everything tries to be... I, I hate saying this because I, I do... I, I like majority of the MCU. I like the concept, but everything's trying to be its own cinematic universe, its own franchise now. Like... Um, there was there was some film what, that came what about out the a dark while ago. universe with Tom Cruise. It was the was it the Mummy oh, they tried to relaunch. That's, yeah, that's had to that's tried to revive itself like six oh, separate times over the last twenty well, the years. Is, it's fantastic. You can't just walk in and go, "We're doing a universe." 
Like, even when Marvel did it, they don't walk in with Iron Man and go, we're doing a universe. So we're doing Iron Man. Yeah, exactly. And then we're doing Hulk. And then you start to get, wait, wait, why is he at the end of that movie? And we're going, oh. And even yeah. the word universe hadn't been coined yet. But now people are trying to lead with that. You're like, don't put the cart before the horse. It <laughs> no. does not work. There are so many films that try and do this whole the game is on thing where at the end, like, I think, I think it was in, like, a Sherlock film where he's like, the game is on. And then it's like, oh, what's going to happen in the next one? Is he going to catch the bad guy? Is he going to do this? And every film that tries to make a franchise does this now, and it's really tiresome. Um, there was one I watched a while ago, which was oh, uh, Valerian, which was Kari oh, Delevingne yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, not B-Tech Miles Teller, whatever yeah, his name is. I don't know what yeah. his name was, but yeah. And, and everything's like, oh, Valerian, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to do this in Valerian 2, never coming never out. Com- this never going to come out. <laughs> never going to come out. I, um, I, I always love when films do that. And just, it's, it's, eh. and just the last thing I want to touch base on is you can tell films to be bad when they have to throw so much jargon down your throat to explain their world building. And the first half of the film is just teaching you the rules of the game, but it's just way too much. And I'm thinking of films like Jupiter Ascending, if you saw that. So much of that was like the explanation of what the rules are in this world. And sci-fis can be the worst for it. But Frozen 2 was just as guilty mm. of it. Where it's like, we need to explain to you all these new rules. And the, the first half of the movie is just people talking like jargon. And it's not, Ethan, the Phantom Menace. <sighs> like, How much a- jargon do you have to throw at me? Can we just get to a point where it's like characters that I care about? Not terms I, mean, I have argument, to remember. That's an argument I make for Star Wars in general, because I really like Star Wars, and my problem with Rise of Skywalker is I have to read an encyclopedia by Pablo Hidalgo about, oh, this is why the Emperor's here. This is why this. I don't. I shouldn't have to do that. So I'm just going to ask us to leave here. We've, If everybody's got one film they could throw out there as one of their worst films ever. Uh, Ethan, why don't you start us off? Do you have something there that you could say this is amongst Ooh. the worst films ever? Uh, 9-11. It's a Charlie Sheen film from 2017, which is a dramatic retelling of 9-11. And for me, my biggest problem, and I was going to choose Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for this, but it's technically not based on a true story. (laughs) My problem with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is the problem I have with 9-11, which is you have this really tragic event, this really bad, like, set of events that happen. In Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it is, I can't remember the name of the actress, but it's Rowan Polanski's girlfriend at the time who was murdered. Was and Sharon, Tate. Was... Sharon Tate. Sharon Tate. The whole film centers around Sharon Tate before she's murdered, and they keep counting down to it. And then, hey, look, Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt save her from being murdered. And it's really no, gross the wrong house in if I, If I may, Inglorious Bastards then, same thing? Uh, ish, because it... no, no, hang on, you don't get to go ish because Brad Pitt no. in that film kills Hitler. <laughs> like you don't get to go eh, with Sharon Tate. You're like, I'm so angry, but if it's Hitler, you're like, well, you when know, it, no, no, no. Because with the, with the Sharon Tate thing, it's she is a pregnant woman who was murdered and butchered. And the ending of the film is, hey, we're going to spend time with Sharon Tate afterwards, and it's really uncomfortable. With 9/11 for me. It's re- you have to do it respectfully, but they don't because it's Charlie Sheen in an elevator being like, ah, oh, no. And then Louise Guzman's there. And I think that's when Hollywood's like, OK, we just need to, to bank some stuff. We need to do this. And this isn't the worst film in the world I know of. It's just the one that comes to mind. But it's just when a film tries to be way too serious about like an actual subject and it fails because they don't understand how to handle it. Okay. Uh, Ellie, do you have one for our little nomination here? 
Well, it's got to be one starring um, my least favourite actor in the world, um, which is Seth Rogen. And uh, I would... Canada's own Seth Rogen. <laughs> yep, sorry. Um, I would have to say Pineapple Express. Oh, okay, I'm with you on that. It's a really awful film. I know for some people are going to be going, Pineapple Express is great, I hate that film. I just checked it on IMDb and it's not got bad ratings, it's kind of middle ground, but I just really hate Seth Rogen and I hate this trope that every film he does seems to be around smoking weed. And Pineapple Express for me is just the absolute pinnacle of that because the whole film is literally about weed. It's the, it's the entire plot line. But it feels like everything he does, it's just this major, major feature. It's a bit like what you were talking about with the horror films and like just being there to make teenagers jump and stuff. I feel like Pineapple Express is there just so people can go, oh, I watched this really cool film about weed. And it's, it's just awful. Liam? Mine happens to be The Crow. Um... The one with Dennis Hopper. Oh, so not, not The Crow, no, The Crow. No, not The Crow, The Crow. Which we just reviewed. You gave a nine to I love that film. But it just shows you the deterioration of a franchise. I mean, I can't even tell you what The Crow is called. It could be called Salvation. It could be called something else. I have no idea. It's got Dennis Hopper in it, Edward Furlong. You think two great actors. And I sat, watched it, and I was halfway through. I was so annoyed with myself that I was still watching it. But I thought, it's got Dennis Hopper and Edward Furlong. It's going to get better. No, it doesn't. <laughs> and I finished watching it, and I seriously got the DVD, and I threw it in the bin. I've never thrown a DVD in the bin, and I will never, ever waste my life watching that film again. It is horrendous. I hate it. Even now, that still winds me up. And this was like seven years ago. <laughs> so, yeah, for me, it's that film. Can't stand it. Um, there's quite a few here. I'm going to go down one of mine and it's a little bit near and dear to my heart. And, uh, as a result, there's, there's a list that I'm trying to think, which one could I best talk about? And I'm going to go on a similar note from you, a film franchise, characters that I love, characters that I care about and had their legacy destroyed by a big corporation. In this case, the Walt Disney corporation looking to make a buck. I'm going to go with Muppets from space. <laughs> I was really scared you were going to say The Last Jedi for a second. No, no, actually Last Jedi, no, it's it's nowhere near that bad. I mean, I could have named Head of State, I could have named um, Mm. um, The Royal Tenenbaums, which I think is absolute trash, Uh, but I'm going to go with Muppets from Space because I I, I don't know, we, we said previously, if you've got characters that people care about, half a job is done for you. So really it should be almost impossible to ruin a movie, especially something with like the wonder of the Muppets and the legacy that has and the character. People grew up with this and to take that, basically put it in a corner, light it on fire and then put the fire out by pissing all over it. It just, it's an example of a studio that's out of ideas, but realizes there's money that can be made as long as you peddle something out there. And that is my nomination, if you will, for worst film ever. But if you want to let us know what your sort of nominations are for worst film ever, please go ahead and let us know on our socials. That would be at Best Film Ever Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and our Facebook page. Let us know. Remember, we are best film ever. We talk about bad films a lot today, but generally mm-hmm. on our on our on our weekly sort of show, we talk about the good things in film. And I don't know about you guys, I've enjoyed kind of um, wrangling on about about bad films for a bit. Absolutely, yeah, yeah I have. And I've just googled the Crow that I don't like. It's called <laughs> The Crow: Wicked Prayer. It's got Edward Furlong in it. 
David oh, Boreanaz. Really? Oh, really? Yeah, Tara Reid. Wow. Da- Danny oh. Trejo. Uh, Dennis Hopper. Macy Gray. All these different people that you should think is going to be a good un- movie. Until you said, well, to be fair, what, what year was it made? 2005. Okay, to be fair, in 2005, though, some of those people are still f- relevant. Tara Reid and Macy Gray, maybe not anymore. Yeah. But at the time, they're sort of on, on the downturn, but not by that much. I totally forgot they were in it. Yeah. That's how much I had that film. Yeah. Please do not Dunno. watch it. It's abysmal. So, uh, if you liked what you heard, please, 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 uh, why not hit us up on our regular feed that's Best Film Ever and Talking the Mickey. Uh, we're on both feeds. You'll be able to see our most recent review of Toy Story. And a big thank you to the people at Pod VCon. Remember, the V stands for virtual, <laughs> for having us on and letting us sort of talk about what we like to do um, in this forum. It's been really, really great. So, big thanks to everybody involved in setting this up. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so, for best film ever slash talking the Mickey, I've been Ian. And I've been Liam. I've been Ellie. And I've been Ethan. And. <laughs> <laughs> And Ethan has regressed back to a. <laughs> you know what? I think on the worst film ever, maybe you should have the worst ending ever. And I think that's appropriate. So we're going to leave that there. Sorry, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye.